Um, let's go hit the intro and be right at it. So, hey everyone, and happy Friday to you. I'm joined by the one and only, the only one that matters at least, Chuck Williams. How's it going, man? Man, it's going, it's ups and downs and lefts and rights, and I'm, I'm in the vortex of, of life and uh, trying to live it as best as I can, uh, or or at least allow it to live me. Depends yeah. on your, where you're at. <laughs> well, you still seem to have that spice of life, which is, you know, you're still kicking still going yeah it's all great so we're gonna have a good show today there's a bunch of crazy stuff going on to talk about and a few rabbit holes to dive into so uh, if you're just into like the news and that kind of discussion probably the first hours there but then after that it starts to become off limits so or off road <laughs> i should say it starts mm -hmm. to just like yeah. do the off-roading stuff and so you know that's when it's like i won't be mad at anyone who on their other end, if they just, they're still just keep the tab open. Even if you just in your, in your chair, you just take a dad nap in the chair. You know, I, I yeah. won't mind. I should point you out to, um, first off, if you're watching, I'm, I'm going to start doing a better job about this, asking people to hit the like button. There's three people watching right now and they all need to hit the goddamn like button. Go for it. Um, and subscribe and all that stuff. Um, but also if you are, in my Discord, which by the way, I have to go announce to people that we're live. Um, you can go to the Digital Cash Rundown channel and the little super chat will pop up and you can just type in any questions at any time for Chuck or myself. It's the privilege of owning one of my NFTs. And there is a link in the description on how to buy the NFTs, although I will be overhauling all that stuff. Right now, it's just the wax collection thingy. But I have still sold some in there, so that's fine. So that being said, let's hit on the first news topic of the day, which is, uh, unsurprisingly, it's about Twitter and Elon Musk. But I'm not sure if unsurprisingly, um, Dogecoin price jumps 40% on Elon Musk, Twitter's crypto wallet rumors. So uh, let's jump into this thing real quick. So um, Dogecoin rallied from, you know, I don't know, care about the price but roughly 40 percent two days after um there was a claim that twitter's working on a wallet prototype that supports crypto and so all this basically say right um elon musk bought twitter and we'll we'll go a little bit in it. let me just hit on the doge part of that real quick um the doge part is just that he said dogecoin to the moon a bunch of stuff before and people cannot stop speculatively pumping the crap out of that poor old coin every time elon is mentioned in any kind of a way now does elon musk acquisition of twitter have anything to do with dogecoin whatsoever the answer is very likely no right and it just it's a little bit of a sad reminder of the crypto world we're in today where it just oh daddy elon did this pump random token and like it yeah. its utility didn't increase its future prospects didn't increase it just is what it is um, i don't know if you disagree on that or have a different angle well i mean it's like because of the the the, the way that the the social sphere has gone between elon showing up on saturday night live and the and the doge pump that happened before that and now elon being attached to twitter in the way that he is 
you know, legally, ownership-wise, and all those kinds of things. In the social consciousness, there is a connection between Doge and Twitter and Elon now. Like they just kind of occupy the the mainstream media uh, consumers mind in the same way because it's it's all been kind of mm-hmm. I think intentionally kind of munged together uh, mm-hmm. because I feel is like there's a narrative. A term? Is that yeah, a yeah. It, when you're talking in terms of like the Edward Bernays style of marketing and and, and essentially messing with the brain yes munging is definitely a thing oh, i, <laughs> I learned i learned something new every day this see this is why i have you on the show because I, I have no idea what the hell munge meant you know well it's a technical term for advertisers of basically saying fuck with the brain so pardon my yeah. language hope you don't have to believe that no, it's okay um say whatever the fuck you want on this podcast right on so it's so that so that's 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 that is the unfortunate reality now that is that is it's unfortunate because it's not real you know there is no real true connection between doge and elon and and twitter other Mm -hmm. than complete speculation hope dreams hype you know just it's all just really just unverifiable stupid things and even this article what did this say like i love how they do this like they make it seem like it's all legit as traders, yeah, Dogecoin's price rallied to its best levels in two months as traders assessed Twitter's potential to create a cryptocurrency wallet product. Okay, first <laughs> off, how long they've been working on edit, right? Yeah. And 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 that's like what in the A/B testing phases now, <laughs> and and nobody's really satisfied with it. A yeah, cryptocurrency wallet product is way more complicated than edit. So if they want something fast, they're going to have to partner with somebody who's got a decent wallet product. Who would that be? Like that's going to have the level of experience that they would want. I don't know. Maybe Exodus. Edge I mean, wallet, really? hopefully. Edge would be good. Yeah, maybe. I mean, who, there's not a whole lot of UX focused wallets out there. You know, that's 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 that was my whole history with Dash. You know, like of course, that's <laughs> not a lot of. Uh... Not a lot of de- gender sliders out there in the wild, you know. <laughs> right. And it's just the, mean, my my yeah. point being, it's not easy. First off, because UX is not easy, um, and a product needs good UX to have to 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 have a good product market fit. And you know, while I agree that there is a very strong possibility that Twitter could be successful with the integration of a cryptocurrency wallet product. Um, I think that it's going to be gimmicky and, you know, very much like Venmo's version of, hey, you can buy cryptocurrency, but you can't transfer it out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I feel like it's just going to be another trap. It's, you know, it's a trap. You know, it's just going to be another one of those for yeah. for the world of pe- people who say who just so they can claim, oh, yeah, I, I bought some Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. Did you buy it on Venmo, though? Because that's not real Bitcoin, you know? Yeah, uh, you know they're gonna do that with the, the. I bought new Dogecoin on Twitter. Okay, no, that didn't happen. You you bought ledger entries in a database that you can't control because you can't transfer your Dogecoin out. Mm. Um, and maybe they'll be able to tip it. But the thing is, like, what's the value proposition? You know, why are they? Is it just hype that they're hop, hopping onto? Are they gonna actually do something innovative with it? Are they gonna allow tipping? 
because that's going to open up some SEC and CFTC issues um, that I'm sure nobody wants to stir up, you know, at the higher echelons of, of Twitter. So, you know, Dogecoin rally, whatever, if you want to make that the story, fine. But that's just that's just examples of hype in my mind. And, Unfortunately, and, and it is the story. Stupid connections. Yeah, but I know. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of a fun thing to like point out exactly where we are in the system right now and the life cycle of cryptocurrency is people just like we have a 40 percent pump of something whose utility is fundamentally not changed and its prospects have not changed and it just kind of goes to show you that um we're kind of there i do want to kind of meld that into the the greater thing um so first off to address the concerns you're talking about with all the problems with doing the wall and all the regulations and stuff so Elon comes in, he buys Twitter finally. He instantly fires like the chief censor person and the CEO and stuff. And a lot of like, and there was much rejoicing. Yay, you know, Monty Python right. reference, of right. course. Right, He gets uh, to but, look like a, a, a fan of freedom and free speech, yeah. Yeah, and he probably is. I mean, I'm, I take him at his word. However, uh, he's still talking about, he's trying to get a moderation council together. There is one, he's trying to make sure the makeup is of a diverse set of opinions of across all politics and backgrounds rather than just like mm -hmm. the way it was before. And I think that's a valiant effort. However, it still underscores he's in the suck. He's in this situation where he's got this, this like the wild freedom of online tech expression, but under a corporate responsibility structure that's like, well, you can't just like say, whatever, I don't care if people put beheading videos. I'm like, no, no, you gotta like moderate some stuff, but then you just need this council. And like, that's, I, I'm not a fan of Mark Zuckerberg by any stretch of the imagination, but I did feel pity for the man when I heard him on the Rogan podcast talking about just all like how Twitter has to have more government involvement than most governments itself. Like mm. they have like all the, they have a counterterrorism unit that's bigger than any other country than except for like the U S basically. So just all this insane stuff that just comes with the territory of building something huge, but not having it in like a free, uh, like a free flowing structure to where you're still at a company trying to like run a company and you're responsible for this. So I don't, expect great innovation to come out of Twitter beyond where it is now because of that. Right. But exactly. I just yep. want to fold on to the, um, the, the Doge connection, which it's much more of a zeitgeist, kind of like how people loved Trump despite him not standing for any of the things they stood for, but they just love this, like stick it to the man idea. And in the same way, I think Elon represents anything as possible for a lot of people because he's this dude who didn't just become a billionaire and just sit on his empire and grow it. He just is like, I'll do anything. We can go to Mars. We go to this electric cars. Who cares? Buy Twitter. He's just like Mr. Anything is possible. And yeah, yeah. He's a cult of personality for sure. Yeah. But not just that, like whether or not he intended to be. And I think he is. The thing is because of the way he speaks, the way he's just has a sense of humor all that kind of stuff. He just seems like a regular guy who still could do anything. And that taps into the average regular guy person who says, I could do anything because he's just like me, yet here he's doing literally anything. It's like he's broken out of the matrix. And Doge is kind of like the, it kind of comes from the heyday. Of, I mean, Doge has been along, around way longer than that, but it kind of comes from the heyday of the game stonks 
where it's just like, you know what? We can meme pump ourselves for, with no real reason. We can just meme pump ourselves into fabulous wealth. And yes. Doge is that for people that they're like, it's this freedom of like, we can do it at like dream big. You can do anything you want. It's just like, this is our stupid little dog coin. But what if it's the global money and we're all rich and okay? Like, <laughs> and so that's what people are tapping into in my view. Yeah, I definitely think there's some of that. And what are they, I mean, and that kind of bleed, like there's a whole bunch of um, cultures that are now forming around crypto. What's this degen culture that's kind yeah. of, you know, out there. And, you know, you got your gamer communities and you got your programmer communities and you got your cryptographic, you know, geek blockchain developer kind of communities. But the thing is like mm -hmm. all of these people, all of these groups, um, are are lacking in leadership and mm -hmm. and and cohesion and elon does that for a lot of people i think in those groups you know he's like the ultimate uber geek who's like the rich entrepreneur that you know so he he checks a lot of the boxes that that make him famous a cult of personality some of the people want to love and respect mm -hmm. um and emulate you know and admire and and those are all the things that 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 um you know, you need to be a good leader, I think, um, if you're going to, you know, lead a movement. But the, the the challenge that I have with with Elon and Doge and a lot of this kind of mentality is the the degree to to which people are emotionally moved by hype. You know, mm -hmm. just like you said, I mean, you, 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 you evoked it very well there. You know, we can, we can rule the world if we just meme our way to the, to the truth, you know, like, yeah, okay. There is something to that. You know, you're reflecting some truth and you're putting it out there and you're, and you're trying to gain a movement around it. You know, like I, I, I completely respect that from a philosophical and cultural and social aspect, but what's missing is critical thinking what's missing is individual thought the the mm -hmm. individuality um and 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 reminding people that the truth is within you know that's that that message is mm -hmm. is dying a very painful and torturous death out there that true that you need to seek inward to find the tr the real truth um and 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 that is manifesting in so many different ways. People are getting scammed because they think that the truth is out there. That somebody shows up in your in your Telegram with, "Hey, I have a business investment opportunity for you," and you know there's still a percentage of people who are forking over money to random people because they think they know better that the truth is out there and not, and they're not listening to their own emotions of of caution and distaste and mistrust and envy yeah. or whatever you know. So getting swept up in these movements um, and, and, you know, being led by these cult of personalities into things is, is always a cautionary or has, I have learned to be cautionary about those kinds of things for sure. Yeah. And it's also kind of interesting to, because people like Musk are on their own path. They're doing their own things that they want to do. And a lot of people, read things into that that were not intended they're like he's doing this he's our he's he's doing his own thing okay he's not doing your thing as much as you'd like to think he's doing your thing it's a it's right kind of interesting right. How, like, he's gonna make you think that he's doing his your thing 
by the way he talks about his thing. I would say let you think. Because yeah, yeah. it's more, I don't know if he's, he's fighting the perception, but I don't know if he's leading it either. But that's the same right. thing as like, at some point, um, we lose control of ourselves to the public perception. Not really ourselves, our actual selves. But we lose control over like the art, artistic interpretation of like what this is sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like people. Yeah, so no, right. To what, some degree, your identity, the, your public identity icon, is assigned by the public. Yes, the icon that is Musk is far outside of his control at this point. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the way it is. Uh, we did get a comment, a super chat comment from the one and only Hilawi. He says, first off, he says, Chuck saw the future with the gender slider. Yes, it's very, <laughs> very like next level thinking. You're already there. And, you know, they, they, they were not ready to hear your words at the time. They you weren't. Know, prophet, Nobody was. A prophet before his time. But he also, Hilawi <laughs> says, Elon seems to be pushing Web3 like features almost immediately for Twitter, it seems. The calls for regulations will be loud, but they were just screaming, it's a private company a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Elon, like a lot of entrepreneurs that I've seen, is is very tapped into the the, the current hot thing in the market, right? And mm-hmm. maybe he's trying to get ahead of it by saying, hey, we need to be on some Web3 stuff now, right? And, and, and I think that's, it's, a, it's appropriate and legitimate for somebody who's just acquired a company that is, you know, kind of behind in a, in a, in a lot of innovation. You know, this could, this could help them get a leapfrog ahead in terms of the social, social media sphere if they can deliver a product, a successful Web3 product. But I think that's only gonna if they whatever they deliver, they're gonna they're gonna be hamstrung. I think very quickly by the regulators because whatever they do, I mean, because they're so, so centralized and that honeypot is so sweet to the government, they're gonna want their siphon in whatever that product is, and they're they're I don't think they're gonna be able to do it without KYC. You know, what, yeah. Because if they don't if they don't do the KYC, you're not gonna be able to play the game basically, because you're going to be a money transmitter at some point, and you know the government's not just going to let Twitter be the funnel for value transactions, you know, uh, as a social uh, as a social platform. I mean, I've tried, we, we tried to do this at Float, right? And mm-hmm. you know, it's we, we had a Bitcoin wallet, and, and we integrated with MetaMask, and um, you know, when I was doing the UX research around the process of acquiring tokens and using those tokens on the platform, there are many, many, many uh, points of failure that mm-hmm. um, if Twitter can solve, then they will actually have an innovative product. But um, I just don't think they're going to be allowed to solve them because of the KYC. You know, and we were trying to do it without KYC, but that means the user has to take on the risk of acquiring tokens for the most part. And Mm -hmm. so unless Twitter is going to issue a token along with this product and, you know, make that some kind of fair distribution, um, regulators are going to regulate. What if they just decide that their token is going to be Dogecoin? Now, see, that actually that would actually be more likely to be successful than yeah. issuing their own, you know, because they could very easily argue, well, it's as evenly distributed as any other cryptocurrency. 
So we're just going to use that one. And then many, many, oh my God, that would be, that yeah. would be, that would create flame wars all over the place. People would be oh. happy and ecstatic, upset. Doge would blow up. Yeah. Uh, people would be go, going dumpster diving for their old Doge, you know, crypto token on their, on that thrown away hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a fraction of a Doge, and of course, Hilawi also says they they may have to use something like BitPay to avoid money transmitter rules. But then it's not pure Web three, right? Yeah, unfortunately, right. unfortunately, yeah. They, I true. mean, that's the thing. They're so centralized and they're so big that they would have to create a walled garden, and um, only certain people would be able to play. They wouldn't be able to do it like real cryptocurrency where anybody can play. Um, mm -hmm. so right there, you lose a big, huge part of the value proposition of, um, you know, cryptocurrency and the integration of cryptocurrency into online, excuse me, interfaces, which is, you know, what they're billing as web three. I had hoped web three would go a little further, mm -hmm. um, with, you know, let's say sovereign self-sovereign identity, but you know, maybe we're going to have to do web four or five for that. Or full, I mean, Dorsey's already on five, so maybe I have to start at six. Right, right. The way we it bump goes. up to six. Well, speaking <laughs> of all that stuff, um, this is a weird headline, but investors are loving the SEC's crypto industry crackdown, according to the survey. Critics have called out the SEC's regulation by enforcement tactics, but to some investors, it's a positive sign they're seeing to invest in digital assets. Um, I mean, not for me at all, but this is, you know, According to 60% of 564 survey respondents in the latest MLIV Pulse survey, they said a recent flurry of crypto crackdowns is a positive sign for investing in the class. It seems that the, the two-thirds of them said they were more likely to invest with greater enforcement against crypto according compared to 56% of right. professional investors. So basically, uh, this thing indicates that investors which aren't users necessarily usually not maybe even but that they're very uh they like the idea that crypto's safer and more regulated because um i would say i mean the cynical take is that they think that daddy government has to regulate everything and then that makes it safe and since it's not regulated it's, it's not safe um my more optimistic take on that is while that might be true to for a lot of investors, I also think a lot of them are just waiting to see how bad crypto regulation can get before because they don't want to like throw all their money into something if they know the government's going to come around and just ruin the whole thing and then they lose their money. They're waiting to see how far the government will go, and then they're then they gauge if it's still worth investing or not. Like they're kind of seeing, they're kind of like like the government is kind of like the risk in this situation. It's not that the government is a remover of risk. It's just by the government being less of a wild card, they view that as less risk. And so they yes. can actually be safely invest and not be criminals is kind of yeah, the idea. Yeah, and that's a pretty succinct way to put it. But you know, the way that I try to put it in, in principle is you know, business owners, um, people who have grown up in this investment, investment environment since, let's say, 1981, anybody who's been investing since 1981, which is the majority of investors, um, uh, anybody who's tr been trading in in markets since then, anybody who's been investing in real estate, anybody who's been working with money, anybody who's been in, uh, analyzing macroeconomic econ moves, um, and also manages 
a business or manages people or is responsible for paying people's salaries, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs of those natures, um, the, the mindset of those people is that, um, you know, you don't want it to be such a free market that assassinations are legal. You know, mm. like that's, that's something that, the, that, that I feel like, like that's the worst case scenario for a lot where you, where it's like, you know, anybody can do anything, you know, like that's, that scares people who want predictability and control in their lives, which is your average, let's say, um, type a personality who's going to start run a business, paying people salaries, investing for the future, building capital, those kinds of things. Also and therefore, the boomers. Yes. And because definitely the boomers. It is kind of the complete opposite point of the previous one of, doge and elon where they represent right. just like the you know the harambe era of just any the space time continuums ripped open anything can happen trump can become president oh my gosh he just out of nowhere and then just right. you know, elon like anything's possible like they love that risk because it's kind of funny and this god damn it this is like such another like another eight hour discussion point but it's kind of the um separation of mindset between the younger and the older generations not by virtue of them being young or old, but where they came up in the world, where the older people are, are thinking, I need stability, I need you know, predictability, these kinds of slow and steady wins the race, whereas the younger generations are don't believe that. They don't believe that the system will allow them to be successful, so yeah. they'll take those wild, they love those wild, risky moments because that's all they got. They can't <laughs> yep, yep. do the slow and steady according to their mindsets. So yeah, that's kind and of you the, hit the nail on the, the head separation. there. And, and and there's so many interesting like aspects to that. Like, you know, Pareto principle, 80-20 rule, boomers have a like own 80% of the wealth in America. Like that's it's it's something like that. It's a very it's a very surprisingly high amount of real estate assets and value and bank accounts that the boomers mm -hmm. still actually own. You know, so you look at the millennials and the young people who come up and the boomers, the institutions worked for them. You know, they they came from a version of chaos, built their whole institutional structures, and it, that made lives better for them. But now the institutions are oppressive and and a drain on society for the millennials and nobody can get ahead. And, and um, productivity has gone through the roof as income has stayed flat. So the, all that money that has been capitally invested is just going back into the boomers pockets because they're getting all the productivity gains from all the millennials who are working at these higher levels of productivity but not getting any get, not getting ahead because they're not earning any of the wage wages from those higher from that those higher levels of productivity and this is happening mm -hmm. systemically you know rents are going up new employees are being hired um, at higher rates than old employees have sat, you know, and old employees, you know, young millennials who started at the age of 20 are now 30 and maybe they're 10 years into a company. They have gotten two and 4% increases. And then new kid comes in who's hungry. And because of the market, they're coming in 10, 20% above a person who's got 10 years tenure on them. Um, so it's like, none of this it's not it's not making sense the system's breaking down for mm -hmm. for the average person and, and these investors these investor groups are in a particular niche where they're in a bubble of their own where those institutions have worked for them and they expect 
for that continued safety and and so they don't look outside of the boundaries and that's why i i just i just feel like this is just a statement as to the level of conditioning that these investors are at because here's the thing 20 percent of your gains come or 80 percent of the gains of any group come from 20 percent of your population and i think that we're mm -hmm. seeing a little bit of pareto here you know you're you've got a majority 65 and 60 percent of these investors who are happy to see this regulation okay but yeah what about the 40 percent who are not who do not look at this as a positive sign what if they're vehemently against this and what if they're right you know and and there's a very strong possibility that those people who look at these kinds of government controls as a negative contrary to this to the spin on this article they might be right in my opinion and i'm definitely on that camp you know i'm just going to disagree look how 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 often has listening to the experts like Jim Cramer and all these other traditional institutional investors? How often has that helped me? How long has that? How often has that helped the helped the average person? Did it help anybody in the financial crisis of '08? Did it help anybody in the crash of '81? Did it help any? No, no, nobody. None of these. Nobody got helped. It's net. Nobody got helped. Nobody, no, none of the, none of the average person. And so, yeah, okay. Nod your heads, be in agreement, and try to sell the story that government regulation is good. But who for who? You know, not not for most of us who are sitting many layers down and away from the Fed's printed money that's going to be mm -hmm. distributed through PPP loans, and you don't have to pay it back. Type of thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, for some sure. of us got stimmy checks and that's, you know, it's just, I, well, whatever. that definitely takes it to the next thing about like, who, who are the 33% who are the other third? And it's probably right. something to do with stuff like this. So sushi swap to create three DAOs in Panama and Cayman in business restructuring the proposal received 100% votes, establishing the DAO foundation, Panamanian foundation and Panamanian corporation for Sushi Swap, the popular uh, Ethereum-based um, DEX and AMM and stuff. So the funny thing about this thing, right? Um, yeah. That's the other side of things is mm -hmm. the 33% are investing in Sushi Swap, for example. They're like, right. they're, not, <laughs> yeah. they're not taking into the, oh, let's just wait for it to be safe and regulated. They're right. They're, they're taking looking for non-government sanctioned free market opportunities. Yes. And whenever you hear these key words like structure, three separate entities, DAOs, Panama, Cayman, these buzzwords start hitting. All that is, is just a giant middle finger to the U.S. government. That's literally what it is. <laughs> you just start hearing these words and it's it just like, it's like, I'm sure like everyone's been in a situation where you're, you're either well, chatting with some friendly customer support person or you're chatting with a business partner or you're, you're whatever the situation is. When lawyer speak starts creeping into those emails, you know it's like time for war, right? Yeah, <laughs> okay, while well, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you in principle, but I want to be careful because yes. you know if you want to eat healthy, you're not always going to raise a middle finger at McDonald's. You know, yeah. like it's not like I'm angry at McDonald's for being McDonald's just because I want to eat healthy. You know, that's I think this is more what this is about. It's like, no, I don't want to partake in your oppressive 
horrible mental diet of of coercion government mm -hmm. i'm going to go over here where there seems to be a little bit more catering to the free market and that's that, that's, that to me that's just a a reasonable choice in the free market of government regulation which is basically what they're doing when they decide to go under cayman island regulation or what was panamanian right and you know what's mm -hmm. interesting about that i was just talking with somebody in the past couple of days who was um you know looking at structuring opportunities and i i literally asked them had they looked at international banking for their operation because they were having a credit card pro they were having a problem um, sustaining credit card merchant merchant credit card processors they kept being dropped because they, their business was risky um, all and I'm like well have you looked at Panamanian banks or Cayman Island banks and things like that and they're like well you know if there's an opportunity we, we would explore it so that's I mean I think that's it, it, that's that's just it you know we 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 assume that because we're Americans we have to do all of our business in America and um, you know while that works for the majority of us you know, if you really want to go global and you really want to cater to um, opportunities, both financial and innovative, um, you may have to look outside of the government, U.S. government regulation in order to have some form of stability. Because, you know, those 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 island nations, those countries, um, mm -hmm. they're 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 not going to change as much as long as the as it works in their favor, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and they're incentivized for, for, for the U S to drag their feet or just keep, you know, putting out these coercive threatening. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Cayman islands and Panama fund these kinds of, of articles on <laughs> coin telegraph <laughs> saying more, give us more pain, you know, the, yeah. the beatings will continue until morale improves, you know, those kinds of articles are what they, I think, the Cayman Islands and Panamanian uh, uh, wealth uh, managers should be promoting. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's the alternative system, right? And right. I think that it's the idea of let's go to the alternative system tends to be, I mean, before it was just you want an alternative system. In the context of something like this where you have a decentralized, I don't know the details about Sushi Swap, but I'm alleging decentralized protocol that does all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. The willingness to go to like the Cayman Island side of things is more of a, we'd rather not be anywhere, but the powers of be are going to come after us. So we need some sort of a, a thing for protection until the old system blows over and we can just do what we've been doing all, all along. That's it's right. kind of like a belief right. in the new system. And it's just like lawyering up in the meantime, to just protect yourself from the old until it's time until the transition goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as the, I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, I, I think the writing's on the wall with the U S dollar, you know, I think mm -hmm. most, most experts agree that, that the dollar is not going to be the reserve currency in 10 years. And so people are starting to make their moves, um, you know, on that timeline, people are looking at that timeline and, um, you know, as the dollar falls, so will the, uh, coercive power of the United States government. Um, and so the government is going to, is, is, is going to have to revert back to its old days when they were like, Hey, give us your tired and your poor. Cause we ain't got nothing else kind of attitude. Um, because they've regulated it all away, you know, all the best ideas, all the best employees, all the most fruitful, um, 
uh, workers, knowledge workers of the world, uh, are 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 going to check out, and 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 it's going to be international at that point, and and that's mm -hmm. where the that's where the real market is going to continue to happen, and you know, uh, that's I think these institutional investors um, are are stuck in the old path, and I think these sushi swap folks are trying to blaze a trail on the new path and you know dash was there too like this the dash dow was a um a, a new zealand trust you know that wasn't mm -hmm. based in america but it was a delaware corporation that was owned by that trust you know mm -hmm. so but just again making it an international entity you know so that's i think where we're going to head to the to the future and and governments are i think are starting to see this governments like the caymans and who are there's there's a bunch of like i want to say saint kitts um saint michael's um like all these island nations um you know a lot of a lot of international and you know what i know that tribal nations are getting in on this too um mm. you know the 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 native american tribes the sovereign nations of america the the tribes around the world they're starting to tap into this opportunity also to allow international global presences to headquarter in their in their places again to raise the middle finger at the irs or or whatever other you know coercive governmental tax uh beast mm -hmm. is after them you know yeah that'll be interesting to see um, it's kind of funny about the the old system dying but it's not gone yet because um this is something that didn't show up on my um crypto Twitter feed. I saw this elsewhere, someone else sharing this article from like the political side of things. But so mm -hmm. then I, I scrolled down and I was like, I noticed something that really stuck out to me. So these are the mega donors pumping millions into the 2022 midterm elections. These are like the big ones. Of course, top individual donor, no surprise, George Soros, right? I want to vomit when I see him. I mean, it's called aging, dude. Just relax. <laughs> just no, the things that I know he's done. Ugh. Yeah. But that, for risk of doing all this stuff, so you so go all the way down and all of a sudden you see this guy here at number five. The only young yeah, guy of the whole thing. Sam Bankman Free or SBF, cryptocurrency executive and an investor. And he's 30 years old. So he's got to be younger than me, right? <laughs> he's a kid. He's just a baby, right? And he's throwing in. 40 million so far of his own money into these mm -hmm. Democratic Party uh, packs. And 2 million of those are into, into a into the GMI pack, which supposedly uh, supports pro-cryptocurrency candidates. But the rest is Democratic House majority stuff and some other, you know, protect our future and all this kind of stuff. So this man, right, is an anomaly in this thing. Where are the other rich crypto people? No, these are all old you know, old traditional investor type people. This is a young crypto dude. He's the only one I see in this mega donor list. That doesn't mean other people aren't doing things. Like, for example, um, Coinbase with, you know, Brian Armstrong are kind of adding in election, like, um, information into the Coinbase app so people can see who in their area is like pro crypto or not pro crypto so they can kind of mm -hmm. like vote accordingly, which is ballsy move and stuff. But this case, you have this one guy and I'm sure we've seen this story a million times in like the, the media and like movies and stuff. The guy who screws over the good guys, he's always like, he's always the Judas, right? This is the <laughs> Judas because this is like the crypto world is 
young and new. They're trying to do things differently than everything else. They're young. It's just a new wave. And they're fighting against that old system. And then here we have the anomaly. This one guy who is betraying the crypto world by being on the side of the system and the regulation. He put out this big thing we talked about, was it last week or a couple weeks ago, about this big regulation thing that he believes that crypto should be regulated in all these kinds of ways. He kind of leaned into that. And as a, I believe what he's trying to do is, you know, better to reign in hell than serve in heaven. I think he's trying to sell out the space and bring it folded into the old evil system as long as he gets to sit atop that. And FTX is coming out with its own stablecoin offering now too. So meet the old, the new bank, same as the old bank. There's a lot of things that are lining up here and this is looking kind of a little bit villainous. But anyway, I'd like to see what you <laughs> think about that stuff. Well, I would, I would have more respect for this guy, Sam, if what you described is actually true. Um, but I think it's probably a little bit more simplistic than that. My, my thinking is that, that people like Sam um, are living in a conditioned state. They have mm -hmm. been conditioned by their environment, by their families, by society to think these really, really, let's say, first order types of thoughts that don't think beyond consequences immediately affecting them, such as, oh, Bitcoin wastes energy. Uh, oh, you know, cryptocurrency should be regulated. Mm -hmm. Oh, government is how we make decisions. We all opted into this. Um, you know, those kinds of thoughts are conditioned thoughts that... Um, in in minds in those kinds of conditioned minds receive no attention because mm -hmm. they are foregone conclusions and you know i i would love to sit in a room and ask him you know and and con first off i would confirm whether or not those are his beliefs because this this kind of behavior that he's displaying here this this donating of this kind of money basically speaks all of those things yes we need this yes we need that this i agree with this i and and you know it's to me it, it's it's it just it smells like communism you know of course um and 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 of course they're not going to agree with it or maybe they do and they might even think you know communism's a good idea because again conditioned they don't they don't they're not capable of thinking of the second order consequences of those kinds of things um and they won't look at the how much energy is wasted on the fed and protecting the dollar you know the immense, just even just basic electricity powering all the computers for people who work at banks and the Fed um, in comparison to the security offered by the banks and the Fed mm -hmm. uh, and the IRS. You know, I mean, the, the, the number of breaches and outages and downtimes and failures between the Fed and the IRS and all the money managing agencies um, compared to the amount of outages that Bitcoin has had. Uh, seems like a good trade-off for the energy to me, you know, the energy yeah. expenditure, um, you know, and that's just one, one, one simple little thing that conditions the minds of likes of, of, of the likes of Sam who play by the rules and get rewarded for playing by the rules. And so they think that the rules are good because they were rewarded for playing by the rules. And mm. 
you know, it, it's almost unfortunate in a lot of cases because they 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 don't get to develop a, a certain level of resilience um, for the the changes that are obviously going to be coming. And when the changes come, it's going to be catastrophic because that is how hierarchies fail. And people like Sam will just be lost to history. Uh, all the all those millions that could have started hundreds of thousands of businesses that would have that could have revolutionized the world and created better opportunities in the cryptocurrency space um, just goes to support the old system and 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 make the old system a little bit you know last a little bit longer uh, I it, it's it's really saddening to me it's frustrating yeah um, hello we posted a super chat that unfortunately didn't show up on the screen but just a picture of the NPC guy so, yes, yeah. De yeah. definitely in that old system, and also I think it's um, it's interesting to see that Sam Bankman-Fried also um, his business model is a very good business model for today, but I don't know if it's going to last in the age of the DAO and the DEX and DeFi and all this other stuff, where yeah, like a fully thing. decentralized he's, thing. He's camping he's, on it demonstrating that the, that he believes that the rules are good you know they are good they are sacrosanct and everybody should play by these rules because they work for me and they should work for everybody you know like that's basically mm -hmm. his message with his money that's what he's saying with his money yeah although i'm like i'm just getting this feeling that he's not that's kind of dumb right and i i'm kind of getting the impression he's not as dumb as he comes across it's more evil than dumb <laughs> Like right, I, that may be true. Yeah, and but like, again, I, 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 think I go he to conditions. He could just because there's snake oil salesmen on the decentralized side too, who are just like oh, oh yeah. the super DAO of the this and the that and the blah blah blah, and you get all these tokens and whatever. And he he just he built up not being in that part of the sector, and then now he's starting to see them starting to clash. So he's just trying to like you know what, I'm gonna just capture it all up in here and I'm going to be at the top and I'd rather do that than just have to pivot honestly or even dishonestly pivot and do something like what Binance is doing so I feel like Binance is the less Machiavellian version of FTX it's the more pure version I don't mean pure in a righteous way by the way <laughs> no he's no a, yeah he's a little bit of a in too. a um what business entrepreneurial kind yes. of way right in that's a, their in a true neutral kind of a way to use those oh, and yeah. rather than a law like a lawful evil kind of a way if you know what i'm saying right. <laughs> where <laughs> yeah. he where it's like it's very like ferengi right it's like very profit just cz's yeah. like you know rules of acquisition just acquire like just yeah, build, yeah. build, build more money, more money. It doesn't care how centralized yep. it is. Yep. Build it bigger. And, oh, the rules aren't working again. Okay. Let's move. Rules aren't working again. Okay. Let's move. You know, how many years yeah. have they done that? And then at the same time, when they start to see the handwriting on the wall, as far as like, you know, DeFi and uh, EVM chains and stuff, all that's going to work. He just like, we'll make our own Ethereum. It's better. It's decentralized guys. Totally. And like, he just <laughs> laterally moved into the decentralized space, still keeping a complete centralized chain, right? And so yeah. it's it's basically an extension of the Binance company, of course. I mean, we're shocker. Oh, really? Really? Oh, oh, oh. No, of course, duh. It's so obvious. But he's do he just evolving straight along, 
where he just sees crypto as a river, a river of money, and he just has to follow the river of money wherever it goes, and he's going to be taken to riches. And that's 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 it. Whereas SBF mm-hmm. is kind of on the way, or let's just say Eric Voorhees is on the other side of things, where he's trying to remain on the righteous side of the river, or so to speak, whereas SBF is trying to dam off the river so he can control all its resources. He's trying to like, Psh, mm-hmm. I'm going to dam it off. I'm going to... I'm in this part. I'm not going to follow it where it goes. It's going to follow where I go. It's like, look yeah. at me. I'm mm-hmm. the one who knocks, right? So yep. it's kind of an interesting see, to see all these characters in the, these figures in the crypto world in their different little ways of interacting with this, this, this great, wonderful technology that we have beyond, before us. But yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, um, it, it, you know, this is the last political thing I'll say on this show because it's not, it's not what this is about. Um, but from what I'm able to tell with the tea leaves, it's appearing that in the next couple of weeks in the U.S., there's going to be a what they call a red wave where the other side of the party, the Republican side, not the not the Democrat ruling party side, is poised to win big in a lot of ways that they have no business winning in. And so it's kind of a, you know, like every things go back and forth, the pendulum swings, and it seems like the pendulum is swinging away from SBF and the stuff he's putting money into. And so he might, if he gets hurt enough, Right, or, or he gets egg, enough egg on his face in the next couple of weeks with this whole thing, he might back off a little bit and just be content to be very successful in just the crypto world in a less regulated crypto world than he's trying to impose. It might end up being that way, or maybe you well, know, it depends on tell. his motivations. Like he might be gunning for a future presidential seat. You know, he might be one of these people who's like, I can be president one day, you know, and then I'll make all the rules, you know, like, again, more conditioning. And this this would be a path to that sort of thing. You yeah, know? maybe. But if I were to bet, I don't think he's at most he would do like an Andrew Yang thing to like keep relevant after he's done with his business stuff where mm. I like right now he's so free in that like. He's this, he's a freaking kid with so much money and stuff like Voyager keeps collapsing. He buys Voyager. He taught, I think they talked about trying to acquire Coinbase, which like, geez, good luck. Like if wow. you're going to be buying up, Co- like if that happens, I'm going to be scared. Honestly, Jeez, <laughs> like wow. that would be a lot. That'd be a little crazy. But like he, he answers to no one kind of, he just does what he mm-hmm. wants and and like there's something beautiful about that like why would he give that up to be like bought and paid for by everyone i mean i'm sure he's made some deals along the way but like just the the ability power. to just be like i like that but he, the, the power he's got now of just i i buy that i do that i write an article people talk about me maybe yeah i don't but i don't know you, if he's done yet you know maybe well that's what i'm saying like more you, money when you when you when you make a certain amount of money it's not about the money anymore you know mm-hmm. it's now you know it's about the power and you can only get so much power as an entrepreneur as a business person you only get so much you if you really want like real let's say coercive i can kill people and get away with it kind of power you have to get into politics you know mm-hmm. and that's and this is a this is a path you buy your way in literally 
like if it's not as a lobbyist, it's as a philanthropic donor to political campaigns. Blech. I want to vomit yeah. saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's interesting to see um, the path where Eric Voorhees is trying to go outside the system. And you have people like Brian Armstrong trying to go inside the system, but from a good perspective, I would say, where FTX and um, SBF, Mr. Acronym, so evil. Also, as I pointed in the last podcast on this, isn't it kind of crazy that like this guy's literal name is Bankman? <laughs> <laughs> that had to be it's yeah. like a super villain name it's like where did that come uh, bankman freed yeah hyphenated bankman freed like like it's got a little kind of like i mean a little jewish overtone there too like yeah but especially <laughs> it's just the acronym makes you so you don't see that he's the bank man you know i know it's like a batman yeah. villain mm -hmm. or something the bank man this <laughs> 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 is kind of funny well That's funny. Um, we'll flip to the meta reset stuff for like the wrap up part. But if you, you had other questions that why don't you throw them into the, or discussion points. So why don't you throw them into the, the live super chat so we could jump on those. Yeah. Give me um, a sec here. I'll drop. Yeah. So there. let me just see what, obviously like the thing is these ideas are like past. Um, these ideas are like past uh, headlines. Right. And, there's past having like, oh, I saw this article and I thought this. It's like, no, it's just like way bigger than that. But anyway, let's um let's yeah. pop back in over here. Um, so obviously the better reset thing. But then future talk. Why we Web3 and identity management, why we want a Web3 and identity management out of the hands of government as banks and banks as a prerequisite for the new free market economy. So Web3 and identity management. Something's, something had yeah. to have triggered this this thought as something you wanted to bring up. So go yeah. for it. Well, okay. So um, I'm, you know, talking to different businesses um, who are in the cryptocurrency space, um, innovative businesses who are at the seed funding stage and um, development stages and concept and concepts stages. And they're shopping around their ideas to organizations like the DOD and JP Morgan and, um, various um, mentorship, uh, uh, you know, bit angels and angel investors, VCs of various kinds, Shark Tank type folks. And um, I'm advising some of them on some things. And I'm starting to see a schism form um, between this, this idea that is being promoted about Web3 and the presumption of safety that I think is kind of coming along with it because, you know, people are using like wallets, like the, the Meta, MetaMask wallet and without understanding that, you know, 80% of the infrastructure for that is owned by JP Morgan and consensus, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that, and that transactions have been censored. Right. And that is the, like, that's the definition of web three right now. So I guess what I'm saying is like, there's this schism between, the safety that's being promoted and and assumed that's coming along with Web3 um, and what I would term true identity management or what's kind of coming around as self-sovereign identity, where it's a non-governmental way to demonstrate that I am who I am um, 
in a in a cryptographic way without a honeypot being created you know behind some kind of um fico score or um social security number or you know whatever identifying information the systems have on you your bank accounts your routing information your address all that kind of stuff your physical geographic address all that's all those kinds Mark of things of beast. that yeah that tie you um and 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 so this schism that i'm seeing um is basically that it's those who trust the web3 model as it's being fed to us spoon fed to us and just going along with that because we're assuming that oh all the cryptocurrency stuff is going to save us and it's going to work just fine and it's just going to work on the web just like it's being fed to us uh i'm afraid not you know that's what i'm discovering no and, I'm, and i want to be a voice to like alert people to that uh, because we need to get identity management out of the hands of government and i and this is something that i think there are some people who are in this camp with me but i i think we need more people who are new entrepreneurs who are cryptocurrency enthusiasts who are traders and investors um, even those who are interested in politics to get identity management out of the hands of government and banks before we can really say that we've moved on to a free market economy and the new free free market economy that's coming the one that those institutions and regulators are trying to prevent from happening they don't want that they don't want free economy free market trades happening because then they can't tap their siphon into every transaction like they currently do today for every drop of gasoline and every candy bar and everything that you buy from stores they get a cut and they don't want to give up that cut of everything that they get because oh my god what would they do they would die they would have to start serving their people in order to receive whatever they're i want voluntary taxes you know that's where i that's the world i see and and we can't mm -hmm. do that until identity management is out of the hands of those who are also controlling the money um so that's that's my story love to hear your thoughts yeah i definitely agree it's one of those things where um it's like the kyc cycle i remember a, i don't remember a lot of things because i'm not that old but i do remember a time when kyc was not as ubiquitous as it is today there's a lot of like cash only stuff. There's a lot of, you know, and people still found a way to pay their taxes or whatever it was. And then over time, there started to become more and more things. So like, for example, when I went to college first, um, I managed to do it like without a social security number. Like I didn't use mine for many, many years, like religious objection wow. or whatever the hell. And only a brief period of time did I like, I dipped into that whole thing. And of course, you know, the system makes you, but like it was easier to do that stuff back in the day. And now just everything is KYC. And then what happened with web two, I should say like web, the web and web two or whatever is you had a lot of people where the email address became the ID where mm -hmm. it's just some way to authenticate. And so then it became a system where it's very, it's different from the old system, but it's, because it's in charge of different things. You didn't need your ID for that. You could just be whoever, whatever email address is. But the thing is now through like data sharing and all that kind of stuff, but also through a lot of mandatory KYC stuff, they're trying to suck all that back into KYC. And now mm -hmm. with Web3 and crypto, 
that's all just more free, whatever you want, you know, it's the wild west of, of whatever. And they're still trying to like suck all that back in. Now, the interesting part where we're, where the crossroads we're at is I think we have gotten as far as we can without having a digital ID of some kind. I mm. think that we're at that split in the roads where one of the two ways, both of those ways that the road splits takes us into a digital ID territory. The question is, is it decentralized, pseudonymous and private or is it government controlled Norwillian? That's, that's the choice we have to make. But we're at that point right now where it's just like, okay, a single cryptocurrency address is what you're using to sign in. Like really? Like, or are you juggling emails and like your email providers? Like you're always like swamped with shit. Like no one actually reads their email. Like what the hell is an email anyway? Like that, that whole thing is like not working. It's done. And then your single crypto address, which only works because of the, the, account-based system of like Ethereum and stuff like that, where you just have one address, but there's a horrendous lack of privacy that's just not going to work, just not going to work. Mm -hmm. And, but people are doing that so far that that, that long, just because it's hard to read means they're like, oh, I guess I have privacy. It's like, no, you don't. But so that's not right. going to last. So now we're going to see, can we get a private identity? That's like Chuck, you know, at Chuck, Chuck's conscious screen or Chuck's conscious stream at Polygon or whatever the hell it is, whatever the, the thing is, but then you control that and you don't need, like, like you control that, but you have privacy in that too. Or is it going to be a thing where now it's just like a CBDC issued thing where it's like Chuck at fednow.org or whatever is, yeah, you know, yeah. is that's going to be your thing and that's going to run everything. And then we just take all the oppressions of the 20th century and turn them into overdrive. So that's and, kind and of I'm the afraid, we're at. Right. And I'm afraid that, you know, 80% of the population is going to fall into that camp that you just described because of the conditioned state that we're in. You know, it's going to be like, well, that's how it is. We all have social security numbers and we all have bank account numbers. So, you know, just go ahead and give them that. And then we can identify, you know, we just need that. Like they're just assuming that we, that we're going to have to have something to identify. Everybody has to be identified because otherwise people might just do free things. We can't have that. Mm. <laughs> you know? People making decisions on their own and transacting on their own and God forbid, making contracts among one another without the government knowing about it and being able to tax it. Like that's, that's crazy talk, you know, like they don't, it's just assumed that that, 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 that world where people are autonomous and, and, and managing their own affairs to that degree, like it just can't happen. Like, mm -hmm. because, because we've outsourced so much of our, of our personal protection financially, um, physically it, it's, it's, we've we, we've all grown up in it now at least here in america you know people in let's say third world countries they they know what i'm talking about like they're like uh yeah i'm not giving my money to anybody you know like they're the ones conducting the nigerian scams you know <laughs> they're the ones messaging you in telegram hey i've got a great investment opportunity for you and scamming stupid americans out of their money you know like it's sad but it's true like that's what's happening because you know, they, they have, they have more pressing matters. Like I'm going to die tomorrow unless I scam three people, you know, like it's, 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 they're very motivated and, and mm -hmm. the government is, is, and, and the regulators and people who've grown up into these institutions and the boomers 
are so much in this bubble of that's just how it is. That's how the thing is. And it's all this hierarchical system that like, they just can't believe could ever go away. Um, mm -hmm. And at the same time, people like you and me, we see it going away. We see it happening. It's like, we're, we're just, the, the layers are peeling away and it's just so obvious to us. And it's, it's not going to be obvious to everybody else until it's catastrophic and it hurts a lot of people. Um, that's, but I feel like, I really feel like critically, we need to have resolved before that collapse happens. We need to have good self-sovereign identity management practices. Otherwise we can't do all these other things, you know, because yeah. when, when the social security system is so corrupt that, that America sells the social security database to China, because that's what they're going to do. They're going to sell it to China. <laughs> for, to pay off their debt <laughs> you know um then you know it's gonna be like well fuck you know like what the hell what we need there's not going to be protection there the government is not out there to protect you and 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 to give them our lives our value our effort our attention in the way of our identity um I mean, we really, I think we really need to make a sacred movement around this. That's what it's going to take. Yeah. And I do believe that just like everything, I think I'm very optimistic about the future. But that being said, it's not going to be for everyone. Like as this path diverges, it's it's like a heart, like I hate to use the, the crypto hard fork analogy, but it's like a hard fork where you, you split and then there's going to be people on each chain. We're going to be okay but some of the people on the wrong chain are going to get hosed so hard. And so like we have this digital, this free decentralized digital ID and the centralized digital ID like split. And the people like us are just not going to get onto the, the centralized one. Just not refuse. We're going to get on right. the good one. And a lot of people will get on the other one. It, that's not going to win out, I don't think. However, well, they'll make be... it look like it's winning in the beginning because yes. you're going to be able to get your UBI and mm -hmm. you're going to be able to fly and travel and whatever, you know, mm -hmm. they're going to make it, they're going to, they're going to use the system to enable those people to just maintain their everyday lives and make it difficult for everybody else who opted out. Yeah. The thing is, it's getting easier and easier to be on the opt-out side. So I think we're going to be okay on that side. We're just going to be a lot of people who are in the horrible version of the old system, like the new and improved evil or version of the evil system. <laughs> yeah. and the more oppressive be, coercion, coercion yeah. 2.0. <laughs> they're just going to be like screwed on that thing until they hop over if they survive to, to come over. But the thing is, um, the old system is... It's old compared to it's. It's a still a modern-ish system. It's old compared to what we're building, what we're on today. But most of the rest of the world is so far behind that because it takes years of a free market environment and a lot of money and a lot of stability and a lot of like you years, a lot of stuff to to have the resources to build this Orwellian nightmare that we're in. And so a lot of the the world just doesn't have a banking system that works nearly well enough to be censoring everyone the way ours is, for example, mm -hmm. it's just not mm -hmm. there. But then when you get this, 
decentralized digital identity and you get crypto and DeFi and Web3 and NFTs and all this awesome stuff that's coming up, which is better, but not, you know, super obviously better than the current system to like boomers, maybe you get like all like all of sub-Saharan Africa would just love just all of a sudden they just get an upgrade to the latest shit. They don't need to go through the, well, we've got to get your institutions and reform your court system. and blah, blah, blah. You don't have to go through all these generations of this slow growth only to end up in a dystopian nightmare. You get to just go right to like, just plug right into the matrix, so to speak. You just get right there. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I think that oh, there's going to be a lot of people who are just in the, the oh, probably the older generation and such in like, Japan, South Korea, Western Europe, US, Canada, kind of. They're going to be stuck in that old, in the new version of the old system. And they're going to be screwed. But like, I can't see it winning out because the rest of the world is not going to be able to just be like, let me, like, are the Argentinians going to just sign up for FedNow accounts and use the Federal Reserve stablecoin? No. Right. <laughs> just no, they're not. <laughs> so what are they going to do? Are, do they have the resources to develop their own version that works just the same with their d digital ID and coordinate with all these different government? Probably not. But the people right. do have the resources to just be like, let me install MetaMask real quick. And then, or hopefully something better, but you know, I'm using it as a metaphor. Let me install this web three right. wallet real quick. Mint myself an NFT for my plot of land, an NFT for my cow. This is my cow. I'm going to just throw it on the NFT marketplace and I'm going to take out a collateralized die loan on my cow that I just meant the NFT. And then they're going to, they're off to the races. They're just off to the right. future and they don't need to care about this whole thing. Like we do, like, you know, and I think it's kind of a, going back to the sushi swap example. Uh, it's, it's what a lot of people like Brian Armstrong have been harping about saying, we don't want the U.S. to lose out on all this innovation. It's not like is the it's not is crypto going to succeed in a relatively unregulated state or not. The answer is it is. But is America going to get part of that, or are they going to yeah. shut themselves out of the digital revolution? And so that's kind of where that thing is going. So as I tweeted out a little bit ago before the podcast, uh, it's kind of a, we live in crazy times where. The richest man in the world, the biggest media platform in the world, the big uh, or the biggest social media platform, and the me the biggest media personality in the world, among many other things, are somehow all fringe voices and underdogs. Which it doesn't make sense. You're literally talking yeah. about that, but that's because they're the new kings, so to speak. And like, is well, it that's Kanye, like the biggest like media, the biggest like. He's like one of the biggest creative people, the richest or formerly richest creative people in the world. And then he's on the shit list right. too. It to a certain extent <laughs> from his own doing, right. I'm not going to give gay a pass on this one, <laughs> but, right. yeah. but like, it's kind of funny because all the biggest and most important things are somehow fringe, but that's because they're not, they're just the next wave and the old system is just dying. Yeah, well, those things look like fringe when you're when you're in the hierarchy, when you're in the system, and 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 those new things don't align with the system, right? Mm -hmm. If you're if you're if you're in the matrix, anything not of the matrix looks fringe, mm -hmm. even if it's natural, even if it's been in existence for thousands of years in that natural state. If you haven't encountered it because you've been living in the matrix your entire life 
it's going to look fringe to you, you know, like there's, Absolutely. there's plenty of people always ask, you know, like when, you know, has anarchy ever happened before, you know, what's a good example of anarchy and, 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 and there's so many good examples, but people can't see them. You know, conversation is anarchy, cities, tribes, uh, groups of people doing things, um, games are anarchy. It's not no rules. It's no rulers. You need to have rules. You need to have like, and I'm just using that as an example. Like there are things that people call fringe. And again, it's conditioning. Like I, I, I've been reading a number of books lately that have really kind of opened my eyes to really how different people are. You know, you th everybody thinks that everybody thinks the same. You know, it's like mm -hmm. people who say nobody thinks that are, are way off base <laughs> yeah. with whatever they're talking about. <laughs> And are probably narcissists because they don't understand that there's somebody out there who thinks that, you know, yeah. <laughs> and it might just be the person you're talking to, <laughs> you know, like, uh, so like, but, but that awareness of not only yourself and the inner shadow, but how other people think and behave and the emotions and thoughts that they live through and the attitudes that they develop, people are different. And, and mm -hmm. some people are conditioned into these, into the matrix, into this, this framework of thinking and this hierarchical system. And I, I, you know, I am a bit of a heretic and I have to kind of acknowledge that about myself, but, uh, and that means that I won't participate in certain things and I won't do certain things and I won't, I, I choose not to do certain things, but that's, it's, it's, it's the same in a lot of ways as a person, an institutional investor who would never choose to put money in Bitcoin because it's still to this day fringe to them. You know, even Ray Dalio, I mean, he just turned around and did a 180 on Bitcoin like, I don't know, six, eight months ago. It wasn't that long ago. Good for him, finally. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's um, hit on this UX thingy. Or yeah. Could it be? Yes. Because backend full stack developers agree that front end is more difficult. It's the reason why you still have a limited front end UX in crypto. Yeah. yeah. You tell me yeah. where this came from. So I was I was looking on Twitter and and uh, a thread came up um, where a young female developer that I follow, um, and I just mm. say that to give context because I think it's relevant. Uh, a young female developer that I follow basically said, hey, everybody at my office thinks that um, uh, front end is more difficult than back end. And she's like, oh, by the way, I'm a back end developer and I agree. And all of her back end developer cohorts who have done full stack development or front end development were like, yeah, we it's, it's definitely harder. And then the whole thread yeah. was like, yep, yep, side, yep, yep, side yep, yep. Shit post comment. If you are a personal trainer specializing in squats and other glute development, are you a back end developer? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. I had, had to get that um, off my chest. And as a person whose skill sets focus on the front end, right? I yeah. I felt a little bit validated and uh, affirmed because I remember hundreds of different conversations where this very debate was happening, you know, which is harder, front end yeah. or back end. And I, yeah. the reason I contend and have always contended that front end is more difficult is because back end developers, the, the only systems that they need to talk to are other systems. You know, mm -hmm. you write an API, you're talking to a database, and you're talking to other 
front end or other other systems, other computer systems. Your clients, your actors are computers on both ends of this thing. But when you're working on front end, you have to know enough about the computer to talk computer, but also enough about the human using your system to talk to the human through the limited interactions that we can provide on a 2D flat screen. Um, and that's not easy to translate from computer world to human interface world. And that's why there's a whole industry built on understanding the, the, dis the, the space between the human mind and these screens. Uh, it's a whole industry. It's UX, it's HCI, it's all these different things that, yeah. that I think are, they're not easy. They're not easy to do. And, and humans are kind of fucked, you know, in the head, you know, like we're inconsistent, <laughs> we're emotional. We, we're, we're, we, we can't say what we want. Um, we can only behave into what we believe, you know, we only behave in alignment with our beliefs. And, 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 and that takes observation. It takes good observation to really build an interface, a computer interface with that structure that can take in all of the varied emotion and, and frustration and pain and joy that, that humans want to express through these systems. Um, so I, I just think it's more difficult to kind of take yeah. that into account, you know, and, far and, more and, difficult. and I think that's why, um, I think that's the failing of a lot of, of people in the cryptocurrency space um, is that they, they, they think that the crypto, they think that the technology is the thing and they forget mm -hmm. that the technology only exists because there are these things that we call humans, you know, the tech without yeah. humans, the technology is nothing. It has the UX. The, all of the value of Bitcoin is baked into the minds of the humans that use it. It's nowhere else. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah, that's the thing that's pretty, um, it's pretty funny about, uh, I totally understand, like looking into front end and UX, I totally understand why people are afraid that the robots are going to replace us. Because, I mean, you realize the amount of technical debt the human species has inherited over the millennia of like what goes into the interface like you have to interface with this crazy biological machine that we are that has so many different parameters and impulses that are left over from like the base survival of the species like the reproduction stuff and then you start to get to like tools and then social constructs like there's not enough information to be like well i think that this would be an optimal way of hunting buffalo it's like no it's just all instinctual but instinctual like all those processes and data just baked in and just moving forward. Like that's the thing. I think that um, like clearly to a certain sense, the moderate human is not created, not created from like scratch. It came mm -hmm. from all this history. And so you can't yeah. just say, what are the fingers? What can the fingers do? What is the, the goal of humans and just programming a little quick little interface that just la allows them to do what they want. It's just like, no, you have to inherit like colors, the bright colors. Like this yeah. color looks nice. It's the berry. The, the poisonous berry color is the one that they want to avoid pressing the button. And then right. like the, the time, like the, the attention span, which has something to do with like making sure that like you're not being stalked by a predator 
you're not sitting there all day. <laughs> yeah. And so we got to like get that in and you got to you know, what about the urge to mate? How do we put the urge to mate into a fronted <laughs> yeah. interface? Again, yeah. sorry to go around yeah. that whole, no, you know, that's, it, that's it. That's it. It's There's just, a lot to, to account for. Yeah. It's just the most finicky, crazy machine in the world that you just got to like make a thing that works for. And there is a certain amount of art to it. Right. And the art part, I guess, is accounting for information that you haven't documented yet, kind of. It's just like, so for example, I've seen some videos and stuff where they talk about what makes an expert, and it's literally just pattern recognition. And mm. it's not like, just, whoa, he's so good. It's just like, no, you just, I, uh, through experience, I understand that this equals that, that equals this. And so there's a lot of pattern recognition right. that comes into understanding the human species that can't it's very difficult to write down on a piece of paper or, you know, on a, you know, GitHub commit or whatever about, right. This is how people react. This is the way the eyes go to here. There. So there's a lot of still squishiness to it, which is just data you haven't codified yet, but it's still data. So that's what makes it hard well, is you, you have to draw on your own human experience. Like whenever yes. I design, whenever I design anything, like whether it's a write an article, design like a podcast format or what do whatever, I design it with myself as the end user. Like I literally use myself as the test subject to do that because yeah. I don't know anything because I don't know yeah. what people because that's all I got. All I got is me. But well, that's, and that's you know, that's a great way. To, that's a great approach. I mean, you, the best way to understand other humans is to go deep within yourself. I think, because you're you you are your own best subject. If you're a reasonably socialized, rational human being, capable of uh, understanding and articulating your own emotions, especially mm -hmm. like I think you need to have all that kind of at least that baseline before you can really start to you know be empathic yeah. with with other people. But that's the thing. That's the, that does a difference. I think between a blockchain developer, a uh, a, a cryptographer. Uh, a backend developer and anybody who builds interfaces for humans is empathy. Like you have to, you're not going to be built good at building interfaces if you don't have empathy mm -hmm. and you can be a great backend developer without empathy. That's the thing. You don't have to be, you don't have to be empathic. <laughs> you don't have to understand. You can, you can, you can be a sociopath and be a yeah. great developer, but you, but you can't be a sociopath and be a great UI or UX professional in any way mm -hmm. because the failures will, will mount, you know, <laughs> the disconnects will, will, will be too painful for people to use and nobody will use your products. So yeah, that's, this, that's the theory is that like, I think blockchain developers and, and a lot of people coming into the space, they're so like, generally speaking, uh, men, but also programmers deal with things better than people. And that's kind of, honestly, that's one of the things that I've used to differentiate myself in, in my career is. I deal with people pretty well, almost as well as I deal with computers, you know, so I try to balance that. And that's what I sell to organizations that I work at. Um, mm -hmm. But most cryptocurrency professionals, blockchain folks, Evan Duffield, you know, all these people, um, probably Satoshi Nakamoto, a lot of these self-sovereign identity folks, a lot of these uh, blockchain developers that I've talked to, like they can tell you all the technology up and down, left and right. But 
when you ask them why it exists, you know, there's there they 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 don't have a human oriented answer, and and it, yeah. and it's not about solving problems, and and there's no empathy there, or rarely so there is. What is my purpose? You pass the butter. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I know the reference. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Um, let me hit on. So this last one, first off, Hilawi commented a little bit of an in-jug ball cream hour comment. Uh, there's this, I should just say that after the show, there's this thing called the after party, which is super secret invite only right now. Um, that at some point when it gets to like 11 a 11 PM or past, we enter what we call ball cream hour where stuff goes off the rails and I'll just leave that to your imagination. <laughs> but <laughs> so this finally went false gurus and messaging scams. Of course, things cut off a little bit with the, the comment, but oh, yeah. the trend of coaches, gurus I... and investment opportunities in the crypto space. That'll be a great one to wrap this thing up on before we talk about meta, meta reset and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah so where'd this come from? Real, real briefly, oh, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, uh, it's happening in the spiritual community that there's been a lot of outings, um, you know, of, of, of gurus mm. who, you know, let's say um, who, well, I'll just come out and say it, like who molest their students or um, cryptocurrency folks who are teaching the very basics of cryptocurrency, you know, power to them, spreading the message, but charging, you know, charging $150 to do a web, a, 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 a wallet setup, right? Uh, I I don't know. I've probably set up hundreds of wallets. I don't know if I'm at the thousand mark, but I could be. Like I've set up a lot of of wallets for people, and I didn't get paid for any one of them. As a matter of fact, I probably gave a bunch of people crypto. You know, I probably gave away a thousand dollars worth of crypto just to spread the message to get people their first crypto. Um, I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm at least in there. But but the thing is, like these. We're getting these waves of scam artists who are coming in with their, hey, I'll teach you this. Hey, I'll teach you that. Um, and and they're living in a bubble. They're living in a conditioned bubble because they think they because they they were the smartest person in the room when they were growing up at their elementary school. And now they're they're and 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 throughout high school, they got participation prizes and mommy always told them that they were the best. Now they're coming out and thinking that they're the best. And I and I can teach you crypto, and they don't know the basics, right? I mean, they're 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 charging people to do these things, and they're out there pushing, and they're putting up their Facebook ads, and I'm just seeing a lot of this stuff. It's 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 kind of sickening, you know. And I think that there are some good people out there who really teach good things, but those people give things away for free. You know, they give away a lot of good content for free and teach you how to do things for free. And then when you want to level up and advance your skills, that's what they charge for that one-on-one -on -one time that actually gets you to their level, whatever level they're at with whatever they're doing. And yeah, that's the right approach in my opinion. But these false gurus who are coming out, they they're no better than, you know, the average Joe on the street who just happened to get a little bit of crypto education. Um, yeah. That's been one of those things that I've been personally sort of, I'd say struggling with, but like wrapping my head around is because like no one has any education in crypto other than people who are like, I feel the only people who are qualified professionals in crypto are, are like the Zcash people because they've been like in these 
cypherpunk mailing lists and doing these like cryptographic research papers and all like for like decades, right? The only people yeah. are like everything else is just new. And the only way you're an expert is if you're in the stuff, meaning you build it yourself, which I can't code for shit front end or back end. I'm not a developer much at all, but I could decide to be the guy to just like live off of it and use it and stuff like that. And that's how I built my expertise. But still there's this, this like, I guess, um, what do they call it? Imposter syndrome about like, I know way more than the average person on this subject and right. valuable information to them, but it, it still feels a little weird trying to like monetize that to a certain well, extent. Exactly. Like I've seen people like in, in threads on Twitter and chats on Facebook, basically saying, you know, I want to live off, I want to live off crypto or even bragging. I've been living off crypto for X months. And I'm like, do you, do any of you even know who Joel Valenzuela is? Like he's been doing this no. for years. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, Flying and the they radar. were, and these are the, exactly. And I'm like, they're the, these, and they were, they're like, let me teach you how. And I'm like, oh, you've been doing this how long? Three months. Mm -hmm. And, and you're going to teach other people really like, you don't know, you know, you don't yeah. know what Joel went through. <laughs> well, let me make this deeper though. Um, there, I did this, um, tweet on Wednesday. I'll just said, once you realize that most of what people say is jockeying for social status, everything makes a lot more sense. And that's literally what this, the guru thing, I mean, some of it, there's always a 20% utilitarian part of that, which is, oh, you have knowledge, knowledge, make Oog get food and shelter share knowledge right. with Oog. Like there's a bit of right. that primal, which is, it's very utilitarian. You know, I want to know what you know, so I may have the thing. But Right, and right. Well, and that's, that's the very, whole coaching industry right now. Like that's well, why the coaches, coaching industry is thriving. Well, that is the, the excuse for the coaching industry yeah. to thrive. That's right. just the, that's like the first one's free. That's what gets you in the door is that primal, like this is utilitarian. You want to know, and that's what I'm 100% committed to myself. I mean, I do this, which is just much squishier, just education, opinion, whatever the hell, you know, looking at trends, all that stuff. But as far as like showing people how to like, I believe that living on crypto and using it in your day-to-day -day life is an important thing to be doing. And I will show, I can show you exactly how. And that's just, and I'm never going to go weirder than that. Oh, you, the secrets of the mysteries of the Sith or whatever the hell, like, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. never going to go into that stuff. But the thing is, most of what people do in like the, the guru thing, humans are an insanely social being. In fact, the more, the older I get, the more I realize we're not really, we are a paradox in that we're complete individuals, but also part of a hive mind. And I don't, oh, yeah. and the hive mind part is what has been growing, what I've kind of noticed as far as like, when people say things, like for example, when people say express a political opinion, um, 90% of the time, maybe 95, maybe more, they don't believe all those things that they profess. They don't believe most of those even. They believe enough yeah, of no. them, but they're, they're signaling, I am with this tribe, and they're trying to get right. that idea up. And the guru they're thing... They're echoing conditioning. Yeah, without getting too into the guru thing, but... The guru thing is the same thing where someone is trying to be, they don't want to just say, I have knowledge. You will pay for it. I will share it. I will take money. Business. Like, nah, that's not it. That's 10 to 20% of it. They want 
the social status. They want to be the guru. <laughs> they want to be the whatever else. Like, what does Tony Robbins actually do? I mean, he has some interesting psychological, practical tips, practical psychological tips on how to do better in your life. Like, oh yeah, you're just, you're, you're telling yourselves the wrong thing. You should try these mantras, say these things, use things, you'll, you'll do better. But like that's 90, 90% of what he's selling though is the guru thing. And I'm not picking on yeah. Tony Robbins, but like I'm saying like 90% of what it is, is just like the, I'm part of something bigger and I'm the epicenter of the something bigger. And then people buy into yeah. that sometimes because they're gullible, but also because they think once they're in, in the rotation, now everyone else Ponzi's them up too. It's just like mm -hmm. all these people talking about lately. Crypto is so fascinating in this thing. And, you know, shout out to Nicole who's on my podcast. Was it last time or two times ago? I don't remember. Uh, two times ago. Um, because her whole thing is um, crypto tribalism and stuff. She's done a whole lot of research into that. It, it's just fascinating because mm. this is just literally like, you know, who is a, a tap and pay evangelist who isn't, doesn't just work for Visa or MasterCard? Like no right. one. No one's just like, oh, you know what? Tap and pay or die and wearing t-shirts and shit posting on Twitter and being like, I'm a tap and pay maximalist. I'm having a little MasterCard, shiny eyes. And no one does that. It's not a social movement. It's how you pay. It's it. And Apple kind of made like, oh, I'm an Apple guy. I'm like, you know, the technology. They kind of added that social cult element to it a little bit. But even then, a lot of people use Apple products from a utilitarian purpose. 90% of Android people is for utilitarian slash lack of financial resources purposes, right? Like there's so much of that, but crypto is so tribalistic because it, people are trying to say, okay, BSV is, which by the way, speaking of BSV, Craig Wright finally blocked me today. So big milestone. Oh, um, <laughs> well, and, congrats. Yeah, no, I wasn't even saying anything. You've made it. You've made it. <laughs> yes. But so what happens with it? Like somehow if you believe this is the only Bitcoin that scales and Satoshi and all this like crap that comes around this thing, people not only buy into this guru nonsense because it doesn't actually solve their problems. They don't need any crypto for anything, really. Most of these people buying into it. They not only want their bags to be pumped, of course, everyone wants some money, but they want to be part of this idea because they think if this idea gains strength, they gain status. So like if they are a BSV yeah. or let's just say, but then all of a sudden he wins a bunch of court cases and oh my gosh, he's the super Satoshi man. And and then, then they're somebody now because yeah, I'm part of it. And I, I got yeah. in <clears throat> and I ponzied my way up into this sort of ephemeral like social status idea. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah, it's the beta it way to less, climb the ladder. To finish that, it the, it's made me much more sympathetic maybe not empathetic, but sympathetic towards people because I used to get frustrated, angry because they would say stupid things and do stupid things. Right. But now I realize right. that it's not from the rational perspective, they're stupid, but they're exactly. really yeah. just fighting their way up that social status thing. Social and, and, and you're right. Yeah. It also circles around this idea that we are social creatures and that these egos are the, it's how we live, you know, in this world, you know, so people and, and we have a great desire uh, to have a good opinion of ourselves. And so for those whose 
self-opinion is heavily driven by the perception of others mm -hmm. as it is with narcissists, psychopaths, sociopaths, um, and, you know, degrees of people on that, on that spectrum, you know, people who basically can't soothe themselves emotionally or build themselves up emotionally. They need that external validation for those people, you know, looking like a guru, looking like you have information, whether you actually have it or not, you know, and it doesn't seem to matter to those people, whether they actually have it or not. I feel like those people deal with imposter syndrome less than people who actually care about what, the information that they're sharing. <laughs> um, it, no, you're right. It's more about social status. It's about ego. It's about presence, about image. It's about, uh, which ultimately is, you know, I think some kind of trauma childhood thing that they're, that they, they, they're just attention seeking, you know, mommy or daddy didn't give them enough, enough attention when they were growing up for some way, or they were abused or beaten or whatever, you know, like there's a need. And, and mm -hmm. I struggle with this idea because, Hey, look at us. We're look at us. Look, literally like we're broadcasting on a show. Look at you. Look at me. Look at us. We're talking, we're smart. Right. Um, I don't want to fall into that guru trap, you know? So I like, um, come trying to come out and say, I'm not your guru. I'm not, <laughs> I, 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 I am somebody who's experiencing this existence and I love to share it with you. Um, and, but people who come to me approaching me saying, Hey, I have an investment opportunity. And that's how that's like the, that's your introduction, you know, to me on telegram. Like I, I get three or four of those a week now. Um, wow. and I'm like, okay, you know, I give everybody a chance. I'm like, what brings you to my screen? And, and they usually start with something like, Oh, I want to be your friend. I'm like, okay, okay. Here's, here's my rules for friends. <laughs> you know, and I, I list them, you know, like I, I want to be connected. I'd love to be, have some face, face time. I want you to value freedom mm -hmm. and, um, uh, and have reasonable conversations about that. And then, and then it's like, well, let's be friends and, 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 and just talk online. I'm like, mm, I, I, I use chat <laughs> to, to organize They're business angling for something, you know? which by the way, right? I mean, you, you do have a very guru appropriate voice. And <laughs> so you, yeah. I need to get you. I, I need to get you a t-shirt that says, I'm not a guru. I just sound like one. <laughs> yeah. I just play one on the radio or her podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, right. Before, no, I like we wrap, that. before we wrap up on the meta reset thing, I saw something else that it's not, you know, not crypto related, but it is Twitter related. And it's, it was like a little bit of a mind. Like it's just, anyway, oops, the screen doesn't really show. Let me fix this real quick. Um, so here we have, uh, so Elon Musk obviously tweeted, the bird is freed, but then Thierry Breton, who I guess is some evil bureaucrat person, says, hi, Elon Musk, in Europe, the, the bird will fly by our rules. With the oh, that's a flag. Euro flag. <sighs> like, this is when you're talking about- Regulators like, gonna regulate. The NPC world, like that is yeah. peak NPC. There is just nothing and else to say about that, really. Right? Our, our rules. Okay. Well, okay. Who, who's making those rules and are they reasonable rules and are they rules that should be broken? Um, and is it even possible to enforce your rules? <laughs> you know, like there's a mm -hmm. lot to question with that. I, ugh. 
Uh, yeah, it's the old the old nonsense. Uh, let's tell let's shill meta reset real quick and do your meta CTA. reset. Live to earn. We're having an NFT launch October thirty first, and um, there is uh, I believe there's going to be ten thousand meta people launched uh they're gonna be meta people nfts uh limited supply of nfts that will be have changeable features um they those will be usable to acquire um property and uh assets within the world of meta reset um that'll be a 2d launch initially and then we'll go into a 3d world eventually sometime next year is the plan i'm working with uh meta reset as the values advocate um, and so uh, the, the founders wish to remain pseudonymous and the plan for the, the, the DAO, the Meta Reset DAO, is to basically hand it off to the community. So the founders aren't in it to make a whole bunch of money. They just want to make a con contribution to the world of the metaverse in a, a, an ideologically uh, free manner. And I'm kind of they've asked me to help them um, uh, maintain a course towards a. Uh, a truly decentralized network where there aren't uh, hierarchical systems in control and, and people's ideologies can be expressed. So I'm excited about it. Uh, very interested in Meta Reset and what it's going to do for the space. And uh, I am encouraging friends and families to, you know, if you're if you are interested in the world of NFTs at all, consider consider getting one of these Meta Reset NFTs. So that's that's the shill. The guru has spoken. Buy his, <laughs> buy his NFT, uh, which yeah. by the way, um, I'm not going to show it too hard until I get my page up, but I do have uh, in the bio, there's a little wave. You could buy a wax NFT that gets you to the super chat so you could say all that nonsense you saw in there. And that's kind of what they look like. That's all I'll say on that until I get a, a cool page going. Again, the UX, UX UI, the front end is not su sufficiently developed on that thing. Like, it's one of those yeah, learning experiences I where I got the whole, I said, oh, look, cool, shiny thing. I made some. And then you get them and you can, the utility is there. But like the UX of the onboarding process is just like, mm -hmm. it's potato. It's not that good. It just, and so I, I needed to get to like a one-click thing where I'm just like, hey, you go here, buy it. So where people are watching the show and they're like, I want to get in there. And then they quickly open another tab and they can just buy an NFT and just pop right in mid-show whereas like right now i need to, to kind of hold their hand for a while and all this nonsense yeah i got you well you know, you know i'd love to try and figure that out with you because i mean i'm on the market um i was going to throw uh -huh. that out there too screenscholar.com if anybody wants to set up a meeting with me screenscholar.com um that gets um, me that's my professional resume and are you, are you uh, wearing a shirt in these i'm in these setup these meetings you're setting up well is, is there a premium I, is there a premium for the slip like <laughs> I don't go that far. No, it's not like OnlyFans. No, <laughs> no. Um, this is uh, UX oriented, or you know, hey, let's figure out what you want to do, and and we can figure out whether we can help each other. I have I have a little bit of room for for some contract work right now um, for anything in the realm of UX, pro project management, product ownership, um, front end development, um, full stack web development, um, those sorts of things. So. Mm -hmm. um, I'm open to, I'm open to and work. So, and you said that's screenscholar.com? Mm-hmm. But it's a kind of a cool name. Surprised you managed to camp on it for so long. Yeah, I've been sitting on it for a real long time. I, uh, uh, and the thinking, the original thinking was back in the day, you know, I was, 
Uh, I've been I've been doing front end development for twenty some years. I'm, I I have a couple patents under my belt, and uh, I patents. figured you know patents. I'm I'm an just like patents. Craig Wright. <laughs> oh my god! I have all the patents. <laughs> Oh, uh, is that is that his gender pronoun now? Is that what he's going by? Um, patent, patent, yeah, and patent. patent. <laughs> yes. Um. So, uh, yeah. No, I've just been at it for a long time, and and a lot of people when they see that name, Screen Scholar, um, they think film, and I'm not really much of a film buff, so I've considered mm-hmm. rebranding. But my thinking was, you know, screens are where the interface and interactions happen, and uh. I, I have a long history with them, you know, so that's where the yeah, scholarly aspect came. I, I will put something else up on the screen real quick. Um, unstoppable domains, screen scholar dot crypto 40. Bucks. Oh, it's you for get sale. Your, you get your, damn it. Did I just ruin it for you? Are people going to jump on this and camp? Hopefully not. I hope but not. you can mint it on, as a polygon NFTs. I have one for my company. And so you can get that. <laughs> And then also you could put screenscholar.com onto IPF, back it up onto IPFS. So then screenscholar.crypto takes you the IPFS version of the site and it's all cool and backed up. I'm not paid by these people, but if they want to throw me a bag, they can. I just thought that would be, that, that's cool. Just another way of like throwing um, a less centralized element into, you know, a less um, old school element, I should say, into mm-hmm. thing. Web3, all the things. Um, let us wrap it up then. Let me just see if, um, yeah, I see, uh, I'm going to show the, the live super. Don't say anything too naughty. Um, so Chihilawi of course says Chuck's voices as ASMR could sell all values, subjective, all values, belief, repeat it over and over again. <laughs> yeah. All values, belief, right? It's time for bed. All now. value is belief. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be. Point one Bitcoin. All right. <laughs> Pay the man. That's how this thing right. works. All right. This is getting ridiculous. It's time to wrap this thing up. Uh, see you guys next week. There might be a Dash podcast next week. I'm 90% sure. So Dash. regular show, then Dash podcast with the crowd node folks. Now that they've released their, okay. their trustless shares thingy on to testnet and need more testers and stuff like that. But you get to talk to them all about that next week. Hopefully 90% sure. I'm, I'll make an official announcement when that is a thing. But anyway, everyone follow Chuck. Look up Chunk's, Chuck's, I just call you Chunk. I'm sorry. Um, Chuck's what, censored stream on Twitter. What is it? It's Chuck Williams 37, right? That's your handle? Yeah, Chuck Williams 37, yeah. Just look him up everywhere. Follow him everywhere. Um, and yeah, just demand that well, he's back on the podcast and he will be back. Yeah, all those links are available at screamscholar.com. My Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, email and you can schedule me on on calendly yeah absolutely bye everyone it's been a pleasure see you around yeah see you in the after party if you know you know if you don't see you next week <laughs>